Thank you for listening to this message from the North Gate. So in this today, as I begin to study coming out of Under the Oaks, I start going back to the commission of the two-by-two. I start going into the commission of the two-by-two that was first called with Caleb and Joshua. There was a connection of those two men that the other men did not have and did not understand. From the 12 tribes of Israel, they did not understand what was being presented in front of them. And I'm going to say this to all of us in this room. I don't know if we understand the opportunities in the kingdom of Almighty God in a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't think we understand the authority that we're supposed to walk in. And I'll tell you why that is, because we have commitment issues in 2023. Commitment issues to our wives? No, commitment issues to the kingdom of Almighty God. I've said this last time we met together, it's time for y'all to lead. Legalistic men would go, get me on the microphone, I got some things to say. No, first we lead our homes, then we help lead each other in this room. Because if these two don't help lead each other, they can't save a nation. They had to come in agreement first before they could look at three million people And this is what's happening in America. We can't keep each other committed in the body of Christ. Number one, my God, mentioned spiritual authority around a bunch of lawless people. And they're like, and I I said this to you guys last time, what is the evangelist, pastor, apostle, you know, prophet, what are they for? Just to give you guys messages or are they to lead you? They're to lead you, to bring you into a place of unity. Watch, the two by two, that see an opportunity, that really all opportunities are promises, that opportunity and promises in the kingdom actually lead to dominion, and all of that comes through your relationship with Jesus Christ. But if we don't focus in devotion on our relationship with Jesus, we don't understand opportunities. We think promises are far off and have just live in unbelief. When he said, I'll give you the keys to the kingdom, I'll give you the key of David that opens and shuts doors. You guys have access to all of that. Just as confident as you are when you walk out of here to start your vehicle, that's how you should start your day. As you are, there are men in this room that attend this church that are more confident their truck will start than Jesus will answer your prayer. And it should be the absolute opposite. Jesus should be more king than Ford. <laughs> Just seeing if I could offend Ed. And then when we get a rental car, and it's awesome, and it's a Ford Expedition. That thing's that Tina's in love. She's going to give up her Pacifica for that. So today we want to talk about what does the call of the kingdom look like? And Jesus gives an example in Luke chapter 2, or sorry, Luke uh, chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. And if you want to see the call of the two by two, you look into Mark and you look into Luke, okay? Jesus summoned together the 12 apostles. And imparted to them what? Say it with me. What did he impart in them? So what we're saying is the only people that ever walked the earth that had authority was the 12 disciples? When Jesus called them, let me say this. When Jesus called you, legalism said you're a sinner saved by grace. No, he was looking for more disciples because it was never supposed to end with 12. 
It was never supposed to end with 12. 12 was just the governmental foundation of the beginning of the men that he hand-selected that would go two by two to go transform the earth. That they would become the leaders of each other, can't find a stage in the Bible, can't find the word microphone in the Bible. And we strive that leading in the church, how about leading be accountability? Because everybody in this room is going to have a direct connection not only with a spiritual father of authority, but you're supposed to have direct connection with a brother. And our direct connection with a brother should be more authority and fire and passion for God than it should be a golf game, than it should be a pair of cowboy boots, than it should be a football game, than it should be what we work. Because when those two went two by two, they were polar opposites. Peter and John has always fought together. There's a tremendous age gap between the two. Two completely different occupations. One is brilliantly smart, okay? One is a hardworking, Peter is this blue collar, and then you got John who's Trenton. And then later on, you get these blue collar boys start following the Pharisee of Pharisees and a man named Paul. Their number one common denominator was their authority and their love for Jesus Christ. Their authority of the kingdom was their common denominator. And we do not have a common denominator in burning men. We have commitment issues in called casual Christianity. We look for the casual guy that carries the familiar spirits that ever don't challenge you. Every one of you are actually designed to find a man that challenges you. You've been watered down in your life to find somebody that's no threat to you. It's called status quo. This is why we can't find children's workers today. And I'm not talking about the North Gate. I've been watching some articles and podcasts. The number of men working in the church other than just parking cars is literally in the evangelical Christianity is all the way down to some like 20% of men that attend church do something other than park cars and collect money. Why? Because we got to the place so casual that we didn't want anybody to challenge us. And then anytime you challenge me, you're considered a narcissist. You're considered a control freak. You're considered get off of me. Then none of us would have ran with the 12. None of us would have ran with the original OGs that were called to follow Jesus, that were called to walk in his authority. Why? Because they had passion for the things of the kingdom. And they saw something in following Christ that said, this cat's breathing a different air than me. And if we don't watch it in the men of America, if we don't rise up as men of God, then what's going to happen is we're going to see the doors of the church begin to close because if the only people that's committed to the church, committed to the body of Christ, committed to the things of the kingdom is the man called the pastor or the man called the apostle or the man called the prophet, the church will fade away. You want to know why? Because your kids are watching you. And if you have commitment issues with the church and you have commitment issues with your wife, then guess what kind of commitment issues a generation, they're going to be commitment-less. I think we're seeing that begin to develop right before our eyes, aren't we? I figured this out. I only miss church when I go to Myrtle Beach. And somebody, I think it was Liam, said something. He was like, why don't you go to church when you go to Myrtle Beach? I'm like, because that's my travel day. And he's like, oh. I said, but I have church within my family on that day. 
But I understand the importance of what it means for us to gather together as a body of believers. And if we keep doing this vagabond spirit that I don't need to gather with the body, then what was the upper room for? What was the grassroots of Genesis when he looked at Adam and said, it's not good for you to be alone? And that's not for you to go find a, a house church where you can just load up with a bunch of lawless people that don't submit to authority and won't submit to each other and won't challenge each other and just say, Jesus loves me, kumbaya. Somebody needs to look at you and say, how are you treating your wife? Somebody needs to look at you and ask you how you're raising your kids. Somebody needs to look at you and say, hey, let's go have a prayer meeting. Somebody needs to look at you and say, let's go heal the sick. Somebody needs to be able to look at you and say, hey, our city's dark. It's time to drive the demonic realm out with the love and the light of Jesus. I don't like the way our public school looks. So instead of me sitting on my couch and complaining, I need to get in my community and make a difference. I need to understand there are mountains of culture that I need to resource and I need to come into that thing fully identified that I am loved, I'm a son, I have a purpose, I have opportunities, I have promise, I can walk in dominion because I understand what committed relationship looks like. You ask somebody to be committed today and it ruffles their skin. Why? Because we'll be committed to junior baseball and we'll be committed to junior wrestling and we'll be committed to junior whatever and most of those kids ain't making it pro and most of those kids ain't getting a college scholarship because we're committed to things that won't confront us but what's so funny is we'll confront our kids on their mediocre athleticism but then nobody's allowed to confront you on your mediocre spirituality. home run why can we look at the next generation and say you're not running fast enough Johnny you're not giving it your all Johnny you you should be doing more Johnny why not Johnny 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 and then guess what at the end of the day Johnny doesn't want to play sports so guess what on the flip side of that is you can't come into the church and press that button either but what you can do is grab them by the hand and say I love you let's go pray There's a way to confront this stuff in love and then there's a way to be a jerk about it. And I know for the very first beginning years of my ministry, I confronted people in their complacency as a jerk and it did not change anything. You know what it did? It made more masks. See, y'all thought I was gonna come in here and just be mean to you. No, it's not what I, I need you to lead. I need the men of the North Gate to understand that our apostle came in as an oracle and said, you're a treasure in the hand. So you have to start looking at yourself as, I'm not doing enough, I'm not doing enough. No, we need to backtrack and look at what opportunities are before you every single day. What kind of promises and words does God speak over your life because he loves you? And then what kind of authority dominion are you gonna start walking in? I told you last time we met, go get it. Go get it. You want a relationship? Go get it. You want a new job? Go get it. You want money to sow into the kingdom? Go get it. Quit sitting on the couch and complaining. History never writes about complainers. Go get it. What are you wanting to go for that's an opportunity that, listen, when you were in a drunken stupor, drug addicted, in poverty, had no money, You may have dreamed more then. Come on, man. One night at the bar. One night getting, I got these ideas, man. (laughs) All of you have done it in a drunken high stupor. Man, I got these ideas for a cash cow, brother. 
Bibi knows that he had a lot of those conversations. <laughs> he ain't the only one. This is Northgate. Half y'all so dope. So literally, why did we think we had more opportunities in the slavery called sin than we do in the freedom of the love of God? Because you still haven't been identified in his love yet. You still don't believe. There is fear and unbelief that are both equally attached to your life that says God is not going to start my life like a key will start my car. Woo! And then your complacency gets confronted when me or Damon or Bryn or Mark or Bobby or Mike or, 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 or Ed or somebody tells you, you're bigger than this. You're, you're bigger than this. There's more to you. And then we all live in the legalism Christianity of we love promotion, but we hate when God's trying to teach you the lesson. Footsteps are ordered by God. Promotion, yes, God is good. He's awesome. Come here, I'm going to teach you a little bit more. You're not saying the same God that can give you prosperity is the same God that can feed you with a raven? Come on, Elijah. Elijah's one of the greatest prophets in the Bible, but at one point he didn't believe in who his God was. And then God said, let me show you. I'm going to deal with your unbelief. I'm going to deal with your fear. And you're going to run from a woman named Jezebel. And you're going to hide under a tree and you're going to complain there. But even while you're complaining there, I'm going to send a raven, one of the darkest birds, to bring you food, bring you resources that even in your low spot, you think you need a bunch. I'm going to show you what you need so that we can take what you need and turn what you need into opportunities. And you can start dreaming about promises again and start walking in your dominion to where Jezebel don't budge you anymore. Beloved identity is not so that you go to heaven. It's so that you're not shook when God starts shaping your life. Because the problem is when we get promoted at times, we don't learn a lesson. Our lesson is learned when something is retracted from us. Come on. God, what are you doing? I'm turning you into a man. What are you doing to me? I'm turning you into a man. When a man grabs, grabs weights and he begins to bench, first three, four, five, six, seven, eight reps are easy. There's no growth there. Quit banking you're growing when it's easy. I'm going to throw some. You're growing when you do seven, when you do eight, you still ain't growing Till nine and ten comes and your spotter has to hover the bar because you feel like you're going to fail. And the only person that can keep you from failing is the covenant relationship that you have that he's standing over you at the weight room at six o'clock in the morning because he wants to be a winner and he wants to get stronger and he wants to do something too. Who are you running with? Quit running with the guys that always look for the easy way out. They're never successful. And that's what's happened in the church. Let me give you the smoke. Let me give you the lights. Let me give you the entertainment. Let me make you this Christian walk as easy and as fun and appeasing for you as possible. And God's going, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to make you like David. I'm going to make you walk through the valley of the shadow of death so that when you're there, you don't fear. Why didn't he fear? Because somebody of covenant relationship was with him. I can't even get through the first verse. Jesus summoned together 12 apostles and imparted something in him he gave to them. Some of you don't think you're worth of gaining anything. Jesus found 12 knuckleheads and imparted to them the authority over every demon, 
over the power to heal every disease, every disease. Watch this, verse two. Then he commissioned them. He told them to go. You know what he did not tell them to do? Be complacent, be uncommitted. We're going to have to start looking. It's not a scorecard. It's not a scorecard. Here's what you have to ask yourself. Not, well, I got to show up to church. I got to, no, 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 no. What are you giving your all to? And is Jesus in that? Is Jesus in the middle of what you're most committed to? Because he should be found in all things, but can't be contained in anything. He should be found in all things, but can't be contained in anything. He commissioned them to do what? Go preach God's kingdom. That is not tell people just about heaven or hell. Ye are supposed to teach people a way of life. We are supposed to be teaching them a way of life. I can't even remember and recall when those 12 apostles had a microphone. We got this from Greek. We established this way of Catholicism Christianity from a Greek model of a hierarchy called a pope. I'm, I'm, I'm getting somewhere. Because we make the Pope seem like he don't go through nothing. And God reveals that, don't he? God reveals that, don't he? So now we understand the reform of the Protestantism from Catholicism is that I'm telling you as a man, I screw up too. I screw up right before your eyes. But I'm asking you, am I committed? I'm asking you, have I grown in honor? I'm asking you, have I grown in love? I'm asking you, am I leading you? But on the other hand, what are you leading me? Because what I was taught in the Marine Corps, I can't charge a hill by myself. Every once in a while, every once in a while, you'll get a man named Chesty Puller who won two medals of honor for extreme acts of courage. But most of the time, every battle that's ever been won in American history was not by one man charging the hill. It was by a family saying, I got your back. I'm committed to you. I'm committed. I'm committed to the vision of this house. I'm committed to the vision of this city. I'm committed to the vision of the next generation that I don't want them to just half attend church or half have a relationship with God or half believe the Bible or half believe that the God of the universe, fear and unbelief in something called Christianity should be insane. He splits Red Seas. He kills giants. He tears down walls of fortified cities called Jericho where two cars could drive, chariots could drive around the top. And when they found it historically, they didn't find it in crumbled pieces. They said it was literally must have been the hand of God. Every wall was actually intact. He pushed it down. The God of the cosmos input that in 12 guys. And then he tells them, I need you to find the right partner some of y'all are spending too much time with the wrong people I'm going to say it like this I am not going to spend a lot of my majority time with somebody who is not in prayer somebody who don't attend church somebody who don't believe the sick can be healed somebody who argues the giving of the Bible come on you're hanging out with these people not me and then you wonder why your faith wavers when we need to move mountains This is God manifest in the flesh, puts 12 people together, which was the start of something, and said, now I need you to go this, heal the sick, get rid of all darkness, begin to remove darkness, 
Any sickness you see, you better confront it. You have in you the love of God to confront any sickness on the planet. This charges me up, man. I was in here all day reading this stuff. You are to demonstrate, watch, you're to preach, which means proclaim God's kingdom realm, heal the sick, to demonstrate that the kingdom has arrived. As he sent them out, he gave them these instructions. Watch. Take no extra on your journey. Go as you are. Don't carry a staff. Don't take a backpack, food, money. Don't even, watch, not even a change of clothes. Henchman would do that. I'll just tell you right now. I've been on a mission trip with him. I'm just saying. Johnny, how many packs of underwear did you pack? I don't know, four. John, we're going to be here eight days. Well, you wear it one day this way, then you flip it inside out the next day. Johnny's a true disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm just telling you, it's Bible, John. It's Bible. I'm going to tell Tina, I found it in Scripture what Johnny was doing. <laughs> but do you understand what I'm saying? What he's really saying here is don't have your mind in the kingdom realm about materialistic things. Have it about moving out darkness and bringing hope to the sick. Moving out darkness over the hopeless and bringing hope to those that are in disease. We can't do that with half commitment. That's why he found five or 12 men. He found 12 men that he could look them in the eyes and say, oh, this is what you do for a living? You're not going to fish anymore. What, 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 what will you mean? I need you to get, cast those nets and follow me. Comes to a tax collector. Oh, you collect taxes for Rome? That's awesome. You make all this money as a politician businessman? You're not going to do that anymore. You're going to come with me. And then when God starts messing with your nets, because he's really messing with your commitment level. And you're sitting here going, I'm not good. You're not good enough to make it on your own. That's why he wants you to trust him. That's why sometimes he orders your steps down just to show you, I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. But in this season, I had all kinds of money. In this season, I had all kinds of prosperity. That's okay. He's going to show you that in the seasons that you can't provide it with your own hands, he'll give it to you. Because he's not going to let you go without. And here's the thing. The less you're committed to the family, the more you think you're on your own. And if you're really committed in a house like this, how could you ever think you're going to fail? How could you ever think? If you're really committed and proximity fixes everything and nothing else will, proximity, I'm glad that he finally stated it on a Friday, Saturday. And I was like excited. It choked him up. It was so exciting. Because everybody always perverts and goes, yeah, that means Jesus. That's not what he taught the other night. It's the family. Because I get Jesus in John, and I get Jesus in Jimmy, and I get Jesus in Warren, and I get Jesus in Bibi, because in him, he should live and move and have his being. And if he's in that commitment of a relationship, of walking close in proximity with Jesus, then guess what? When I'm in here praying and I'm going, I'm not hearing nothing, I'm not hearing nothing, I'm not hearing nothing, maybe the word's not going to come from the spirit realm, but from the spirit realm of the depth of the living Water that's in BB is might what I need. But I don't connect with BB because he I'm not a gangbanger and I'm not from the inner city. Stop it. That should make it even more that you go hang out with him, that he's not like you because he may push you. Quit looking for comfortable people to be around. That's why most people, when they come in this church, they want everybody else to be their spiritual dad but me because I'll confront you. 
So you look for an easy spiritual dad, which is not a dad, which is actually a brother, which is actually a Laban, which will actually manipulate you because they won't challenge you. Because here's how I would, I wouldn't call anybody spiritual father until I see how they walk with their spiritual father. I wouldn't call anybody a dad until I see how they're walking with a dad. I wouldn't call anyone a dad until I see how they are walking with a dad. So I would tell you this is a safe place here. Why would I tell you this is a safe place here? Because if Damon was standing right here, he would tell you. He actually did. In 2019, when I was sitting right here, he said, if anybody in this church has an issue with this family, he said, I'm going to tell you the issue is with you. He said, because there's nobody in this house that walks closer with a spiritual father than this man and this woman. It's real quiet right there. It's real quiet right there. You're never going to get the kingdom if you don't get that. You're not going to get the kingdom if you don't understand spiritual authority. I'll just tell you right now. And we have to build a culture. Watch me. We have to begin to believe in ourselves to build a culture here. Or if we continue to take these kids down to Mobile and they keep experiencing a measure of the glory of God in Mobile, we're going to lose all our kids and you're going to move there anyway. And guess what's going to happen? You willing not to be in a prayer meeting here? You'll be there. You'll be there or you'll watch your kids get in it and you'll sit in the back corner. It's going to be one way or the other. It's going to be one way or the other. I made that statement to somebody the other day. I said, your kids are going to leave you if you continue, or you'll leave this church altogether because it pushes you too much. It confronts your average, normal, everyday living this house does. This house presses the buttons of comfort every day, what you think is right living. When I would rather be caught up in this, go to verse four. Whatever home welcomes you, as a guest, this is where I, I, I struggle with some of the covenant, what you guys would call covenant relationships. And I'll show you what a covenant relationship is here in a minute. I struggle with some of the covenant relationships you have because they welcome you in, but they don't welcome your Christianity in. And you're calling that friend. It's quiet. It's super quiet. Does that mean you have no friends in this? I have many friends in the city, but I don't spend covenant time with them. You'll catch me hanging out with Zoop. You'll catch me hanging out with Coach Thompson. You'll catch me coaching out with Coach Harrison. You'll catch me hanging out with the Bensies. You'll catch me hanging out with the Climax every once in a while. You'll catch me hanging out with people in the city. Why? Because I want to show them away, but I'm not going to call it home. I'm not going to spend more time with them than I am Joe. I'm not going to spend more time than I am with Mike. Because this guy wants to push out darkness. And this guy don't want to complain about religion. I'm going to run. This guy don't want to sit and complain about the church that God loves and he died and gave his son for. Come on. I should be getting some amens in here. Because your life that you're complaining about, that you're like, God, where are you at? And I want to feel the fire that I first felt. You allowed somebody to come in and blanket your fire with their words. Because ain't, ain't nobody going to blanket your fire in here in a prayer meeting. And ain't nobody going to blanket what you see prophetically in here. And ain't nobody going to blanket what you believe and what you want to believe in the supernatural. Nobody's going to put fear and unbelief on you in here. We're going to say, go for it. And we need to quit making Christianity an SOS call of just when somebody has cancer or diabetes. 
I want this whole property bought for the kingdom of Almighty God so that we walk in a level of excellence and a degree. And this whole city shines like a city shed on a, full of love, full of hope. How did the truck stop in Waylands become the house of revival? A son took a seat. And believe the God of the cosmos that God's eyes were on a land called Streetsboro, on a land called Portage County. And like a rock in a pond, God could do something here that could ripple effect all the way to a 40-mile radius. I had a woman send me a text today. I had a woman send me a text today that said, you're about to come in a covenant relationship with a man in your region. She's from Cincinnati. Trust her completely prophetically. She said, I was in prayer. God told me you're about to come in a covenant relationship with a man that your relationship with him is so significant, it's going to have an impact on five counties around you because of his significance in the city. Watch what happened today. What happened today after I got that prophetic word at seven o'clock this morning, he's hanging out with Deshaun Watson, who Apostle D just had a dream about. There's one. I'm going, oh, okay, wow. I'm like, that's a gate. That could be the five counties. That's a man of resource. That's a man of connectability. Then all of a sudden, I get a phone call from a man in Rootstown who is connected with a very, very wealthy man that is a part of a Protestant church over in Akron who's extremely, extremely wealthy. And he calls me and he says, I'm leaving my church. And I said, well, why are you leaving your church? Because the man of God can't tell you to sit down and shut up. I'm talking to Big Al, by the way, you know what I'm saying? He's like, what kind of preacher are you? I said, a bold one full of the Holy Ghost. And he's like, well, I don't know if we believe the same. I said, we may not. I said, but I'm going to ask you, why are you calling me while you're leaving your pastor's church? He's like, well, Al told me to call you. And I said, well, what's your problem with the Protestant church? He said, I'm sick and tired of sitting every Sunday being told that Jesus is coming back. He said, and I don't believe it. And I said, well, we're not going to have an argument. <laughs> he said, what do you mean? I said, I believe the same thing you believe. And we start talking about rapture theology for literally over 30 minutes. And I get off the phone with him and God said, if you watch, I'm putting opportunity around you. That Deshaun may not be the promise, and this man may meet to be the promise, but you're coming in contact with people every single day, and I'm asking you, if you're like one of the 12, does your message change because of who you're around? Because my message wouldn't change with Deshaun Watson, and my message wouldn't change with a rich man from Macron. I am who I am in the beloved identity of the kingdom of Almighty God. I believe what I believe. I'm seeing darkness pushed out. I'm seeing the sick healed. My son is a witness every day of arthritis, has to bow in the love of God. Whatever home welcomes you as a guest, remain there and make it your base of ministry. And wherever your ministry is, rejected. What is your ministry? Your service. It's your service. You come in and start walking as a kingdom son and daughter. And the first time somebody would ever say to me, I don't know if I believe like you. First, I got to weigh it off. What are we talking about? We're talking about baptism in the Trinity, baptism in the name of Jesus. We're talking about speaking in tongues. What are we talking about? If we're talking about some completely uncovenant stuff and somebody look at me saying, you don't have to do all that. I don't have to stay in this conversation. 
because my marriage is too good and my kids are living too good and our church is doing too well and I'm alive and my wife's alive and my friends are alive and my family's alive. For you to look at me and tell me that I need your life? I need your life? I need what you're rolling in? On the contrary, Jack, you need what I'm rolling in. And if you don't want it, this is what Jesus said to them. He said, if you're rejected and not welcome, you are to leave that town, shake the dust off your shoes as a testimony before them that I'm willing to follow Jesus and not the ideals of men. Number six. From that moment, the apostles departed and went into the villages with the wonderful news of God's kingdom realm. I'm asking you, opportunities won't become a reality. Promises won't become a reality. You'll feel defeated rather than walking in dominion because of who you're hanging out with. They sent two by two. They were sent two by two. They were sent two by two. Why is this important of Joshua and Caleb? Because it was only two of them under the Old Testament that could believe for the opportunity that was put in front of them, which was the word of God. That was their promises, not just their promises, promises all the way from their great, great grandfather. Abraham had a promise. Will your kids raise up four generations later and say, I'm living in what my dad would talk about, what my dad would pray about, what my dad committed his life to. I'm living in the luxury of what my dad gave himself to. I'm going to Alabama and watching grandkids lay and shake under the glory of God going, my granddaddy believed everything that he believed from God, even when they made fun of him and called him a cult. We are coming into a day where the kingdom realm is about to take control of everything. But it took a commitment from a man, first a father, that locked himself in a church in prayer for three days and had people bring him food. And then he presents this wild idea to his wife. He presents it to the elders. And then he takes his son and he takes everything that he's learning in a son who had dys- dyslexia, who couldn't even read correctly, who the public school system said he's an idiot. And the dad says, no, my son, Yahweh told me, he promised me that he's one of the smartest men on the planet planet and he did not dabble in fear and unbelief and do you know why we dabble in fear and unbelief because we're in uncommitted relationships called the church gather as many people as you want in a building as you want pay the sound man pay the keyboard pay whoever you want the media guy you can do all you want but how much belief is in the room because there's a scripture text of a crowded room so crowded they were crawling in and out of windows And four committed men, covenant relationship, carried a brother up to that place. And the scripture text said that the spirit to heal everybody in the room was there, but nobody was being healed. I bet you those four encountered Jesus and the 12 and their leadership and their commitment to Christ created leadership and commitment in four guys that we don't even know who their daggone names are carried their buddy up to the top of the building started ripping off shingles and ripping back and lowered their buddy down and God says this is the kind of commitment I'm looking for that you get away from these little excuses it's full it's full it's full it's full I got the sniffles. Can't go to church. Got sniffles. It's COVID in 2020. Got 
I thought he's commissioned 12 to heal. Got sniffles. Got a headache. Had a bad day. Do you know who's watching the excuses? Do you know what? I can vouch for these two. These two will not live with excuses. Do you know why? Because I know who their dad is and they know who their dad is. He will not, this boy right here will not wrestle with this. He will not wrestle with fear and unbelief. Why? Because he had a daddy that when there's days that you couldn't see him not want to get out of bed, I got him out of bed, got him up, got him moving, did things to him that he did not want to do. That's what real love does. We're going to church. Some of y'all are going, it's only eight minutes down the road. No, I would look at him and say, we're driving 16 hours to Alabama. We're driving 12 hours to South Carolina. And he would lay in the seat and he would hurt. And we would pray, God healing, God healing, God healing. But you know when it shifted? Like what apostle said, we started thanking God for the healing. After New Year's Eve, he's healed. We just didn't come and... And I can't get around a bunch of people with unbelief and fear, one of them being his doctor. He's in remission. Tina's elbow me. You going to tell her? You going to tell her? Tebow's, Tina's in my ear. You going to tell her? And Dr. Brooks, we've not taken the medicine for about three months. What? What? Because of her relationships, she doesn't believe you need to get him back on the medicine. But you just said he was in remission. You said the blood works fine. It wasn't the medicine that did it, ma'am. We were in a prayer meeting and people that love him, that are committed to him, that believe in his promises, saw cookie, saw an opportunity and said, I'm not gonna let promise be taken. You're in the room praising and worshiping God. We're in commitment, we're in union, we're committed, we're here. And in that season, we saw Rhonda get healed and we saw Trenton get healed. Why would we back off? Come on. I'm saying I'm not backing off of what's going on in this house until they're lined up down the sidewalk and ambulances are pulling up like the 1940 tent revivals. But this time it's not going to be about the man of God laying hands on them. It's literally roll them in on a stretcher and all of you lead. Because I can't go on Sid Roth. I mean, I could. I could write him a big email when I laid hands on my son. I didn't. Cookie did. It wasn't just Cookie. How many of you prayed for Trent? Raise your hand if you you went to the throne room over my son. How many people that you hang out with, more than the people in this house, don't believe in healing? This thing called the church has a commissioning and he sent them two by two. Don't get religious on me. I'm not telling you not to have, not have church friends. It's not what I'm saying. You twist that with your own perverted mind. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying we're not going to see darkness move and we're not going to see the sick healed until I get in covenant with people in this room. And if your any thought is I don't like the people in this room, then you need to read John 1 John chapter 4 every single night till you find a love for everybody that calls this place home. 
You need to read 1 John chapter 4 till you really realize who Damon Thompson is in the earth. You realize who Aaron Smith is in the earth, who Nolan Ball is in the earth. People who did not form a denomination, people who patiently formed a family. And you, many of you in this room have not known Damon as long as me and BB have. You know how many people he said, nope, nope, nope. Nope, and I'm sitting here back in my own unbelief. You can sit down. In my own unbelief, until this beloved identity message starts hitting me, I'm sitting in the front row going, how am I, son? How am I, son? How am I, son? How's the Northgate under Damon Thompson? How is the oracle of the nation? A 12-year-old boy, when Damon was 12-year-olds, he was riding in his parents' station wagon, and he's looking out into a field, and in the middle of an open field, a tree began to grow, and it began to blossom, a huge oak tree that bigger than he could see, and it started to freak him out, and his parents couldn't see it, and he saw it, and he heard the audible voice of God that said, you will be the voice of the third great awakening, and what you're seeing is a family tree that will begin to grow, that will reform the earth. Back to what? God loves you. And if you understand that, you won't walk in fear and you won't walk in unbelief and you'll start connecting yourself to family. And you'll start believing we can do anything. How can a Philippian apostle who was the jailer in the New Testament when Paul and Silas break out of jail, the man that was the jailer that gave his life and his family to Christ, This is what I love. Pentecostals cracked me up. And at the midnight hour, Paul and Silas sang. And if you give praise, God will open your jail cell. But they didn't leave. It's a false narrative. The jail swung open. That message is more about submission to authority than it is you getting out of sin. Jail swings open. Nobody leaves. Jailer freaks out, murderers, pedophiles, all these nasty people of the earth could have fleed. Paul said, we're all here. We're all here. Nobody left, sir. The man in frantic goes, who are you? Um, the apostle Paul appointed by Jesus. And I wasn't sent here to set all captives free. I was sent here to show you that even when you screw up, you're still loved by God. Most of us would have been just like that jailer and go out. He was ordering his footsteps. I'm the best warden in all of Rome. No, you're not. I've been defeated. I'm a failure. No, you're not. Even in your biggest failure, God will send a two-by-two Paul and Silas to tell you, sir, you are loved by God. I don't know what this kind of love is, but I want you two men to come to my house and lead us so they can end in leading Philippi. So that they could take care of an apostle and stay in covenant relationship so that opportunities and promises and dominion can happen in the earth that he becomes the chief apostle of Philippi, that the story is told in Philippians 4.13, that you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Then if I can do all things through Christ, why am I as a believer walking in fear and unbelief? Because I don't really believe he loves me. 
And I can tell you who needs to go to jail and I can tell you when they're out of jail and I can tell you X, Y, and Z because all of us are method men. But when the supernatural starts happening, do you feel loved? When the supernatural hits Warren, do you go, praise God, do it to Warren? Or do you go, it ain't gonna happen for me. It ain't gonna happen for me. Who got money? Who got a business? Who had a child? Who had a baby? Not gonna happen for me. Why are you connected with so much fear and belief? Because who's your two by two? I'm not asking you who your spiritual father is. I'm asking you who's your two by two. Who's your go-to? Who's your go-to brother? I know I'm the father of this house, but who's your go-to brother? Who's your go-to brother? And if it's not a man of this house, then you have to ask yourself, should you have dusted your shoes off a long time ago? Because one of two things is going to happen. Either they're supposed to be convinced to run with you or they're going to convince you to run away from this. Listen, there is no in-between. They're either at one point going to convince you to run away from this or you're going to convince them to run to him and run here. And that's not necessarily this church. This is run to Jesus. This is, don't make this about the Northgate. Don't do that. I, don't do that elitism. All of this is about beloved by God. This is how I'm getting rewired right now. Jesus has to be in the middle of everything. And when he's not, I've got to get checked. I have to get checked by Holy Spirit. I cannot justify my prison doors being closed or open. Come on, y'all tracking me? Y'all tracking me? Why is important that we need opportunity? Because we need to understand the favor and timing of the Lord. Opportunity means favorable time and occasions. Every single one of you have had access to favor. And when the favor goes, does that mean God has left you or is God teaching you? Because if favor come once, favor will come again. And if favor goes away tomorrow, favor will come on Thursday. He loves me no matter what. And what he's trying to teach me through my crisis where fear and unbelief comes in, these aren't of me, guys. These are not of Jesus. These are not of Jesus. So sometimes he walks with you for three years in favor that you see the dead raised, you see the sick healed, and then all of a sudden he disappears and he's actually closer to you than you think he is, but you're not getting what you want at that time. You can't see it with your own eyes, so you have to discern it with your heart. Promises. Opportunities always lead to promises. Promises are words and declarations that something will be given to you. <laughs> what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? Is it money? Is it a healing? Is it a home? Is it land? Is it a car? Is it a son and daughter coming home? What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? There's opportunities happening to you daily to give thanks to God that he's about to give you the promise. There are opportunities and reminders every single day of how much he loves you. You just got to connect yourself to the ones that speak love. Promises. Promises are an expressed assurance on which expectation is given. Promises are connected to expectations. Jesus says, I, Jeremiah 29, 11, I don't have an evil thought towards you, but an expected, an expected future and hope. His expectations for you when you roll out of bed is future and hope. And if you are thinking anything less than that, you have to look at who your covenant relationships are with. And your number one covenant relationship has to be with Jesus. And then Jesus, who am I supposed to best friend today? Come on, 
Who's my Paul? Who's my Silas? Who's my Timothy? Who's my Peter? Who's my John? Who's my Timothy? Who's my Matthew? Who is he? Who is he? And some of you play hero, villain, victim, and you're like, who should I call today God to pick up? Maybe you should call somebody to pick you up. Quit looking to be the hero in everybody's storyline every morning. Maybe sometimes you need Paul. Maybe you need somebody that you know when you call them on the phone, they are not going to agree with me. They are going to tell me 100%, I should not be doing this. I need that person in my life. And I have him in Damon, and I have him in a Brad. They are real brothers. And I have them in Bobby, and I have them in Mark, and I have them in Bryn, and I have them in Matt. And I have them in leaders in this house. Ed Heaver tells me, I don't like this. Good. Mike Thompson, I don't like, I'm not getting a good feeling here. You know what I got to do? Trust you ready? Old, old quote. Why are you so in fear and unbelief that a no today means a no forever? Yeah. Haven't you ever... Man, I turned... Why did I go left and go... Then all of a sudden you find out of the wreck that was yeah. on the route you are supposed to take. Man, I really wanted to go eat, but then I decided to go eat here and that restaurant got shot up or that restaurant got. How many times did his no save you? And you didn't even realize it was a no because you were just trusting your instinct. You got to trust your discernment. Quit going off emotion. Get alone with Yahweh and let him guide you. And even when you screw it up, you're still loved. And even when you screw it up, you're still loved. But you know what will mess with your commitment? What nets are you holding on to? Because it was easy to go, I'm not going to party. I'm not going to cuss. I'm not going to. Well, some of you failed the cussing thing. but I'm not going to smoke cigarettes anymore. I'm not going to the bars. I'm not going to the strip clubs. I'm not doing drugs. I'm not. And you let go of that net and you burn to save the world. God starts blessing you and you forgot to save the world. You got blessed and you forgot to go save the world because you forgot that when you become a disciple of Jesus, you are to be sent two by two. Into what? Your promise? Yeah, but your promise is going to be somebody else's promise. Oh, I'm messing with independence here. I'm messing. I think I'm flying. What time is it? Oh, my phone's right here. Let me pull my phone off. I'm going to get a clock on the back wall again. I'll do that, and then I'll be like, we're not prisoners of time. We're not prisoners of time. Somebody's promise is your promise too. Listen to me. Nobody here is walking around with their own, I've got my own promise. No, you don't. Somebody else has it too. First of all, your wife. Second, your kids. And God has connected a brother and a father to you that your promises are connected to. And so we understand that promise is an expectation that God is going to do it. And when we understand that God loves us and doesn't have an evil thought towards us, watch. We start walking in dominion, which is the power and right generational rights 
family rights of governing and controlling things that belong to you. You have the governing rights. How many own land in this city or in this county? Raise your hand. You have governing rights by the kingdom because you're landowners. Anything you don't like, you can tell it to leave. Well, it's the mayor's job. No, it's not. There's a higher authority called Yahweh. It's your job. That's why Texas Roadhouse is coming. That's why this land is going to be ours. We called Planet Fitness in. We called Raising Canes in. We called Wild Eagle in. We prayed it in. To a world that we have to dust our feet off to, they think we're crazy. But you weren't there at the 530 prayer meetings. You weren't there on the Monday prayer. I love telling the story. It's our land. We told an orphan spirit to leave on a Monday morning. Spent the whole Monday morning decreeing the love of God over every foster kid, over every abandoned kid, and was doing it over the 40-mile radius. And my phone goes off. And a woman says, call me immediately. I have a baby that I want to give to the church. That's not your everyday text message. And there's people that I've got to dust my shoes off because they don't understand the realm of the kingdom. Church to them is heaven and hell and it's all about money. You better believe it's about money because we bought a child's life for $25,000 in this house debt free so he could have an opportunity to receive a promise that him and Sam would walk in dominion. Why? Because he had a covenant relationship with me. They didn't text him. They text me. And you're on your couch complaining about your sniffles and your headaches and your boo-boos and nobody loves me and I'm not accepted. And you're missing out a phone call from a brother. Oh, I'm going to throw some. Because I don't want to run with you when you show up late. And I don't want to run with you and you don't come to prayer meetings. And I don't want you to come sit at my fire pit when you're not committed with passion to this house. Well, maybe if you'd love on me, maybe you'd get over yourself. Maybe you'd wake up one day and say, you know, I'm loved by God. And if you don't want to talk to me, he does. And then when you let his love penetrate you, it's, there's no shame, no guilt, no rejection. So, Yoda, what's up? Curtis, what's up? The person that complains that everybody else is their problem is not, I'm your savior, not Warren's your savior, not he's your savior. You forgot Jesus is your savior. And when you'll stop your dysfunctional world and just sit and let Abba love on you, and tell you you have value, then you'll come into a covenant relationship that when an apostle, as an oracle says, Samuel's coming, Big Mike, Samuel's coming. I'm in a prayer meeting, not him. He wasn't even there. This is how low my theology is. I have a word to adopt a little African-American girl. So when I said there's a baby, first thing I texted, is she black and is she a girl? Because if so, she's mine, sorry. text came back no it's a little boy watch it's a little boy that was born premature that is fighting for his life and I said we'll take him and immediately I watched a father 
who did not biologically birth this son. This is the kingdom. Call this church whatever you want. You weren't standing there in that room when I watched him hold Sam as big as his hand and go, it's okay, daddy's here. And I'll tell you right now, I bet Sam was going, I just came from heaven and you're here too. I just came from you, daddy. Your voice sounds the same here as it does there because he found the voice of a father with no agenda. What do we immediately do, Northgate? His opportunity then became our opportunity. We take up money and they don't pay for a dime. To now we have $17,000 in the next adoption fund that when Yahweh calls again because we prayed against an orphan spirit and begin to speak the spirit of adoption over region. When any one of you, the opportunity comes, the promise is there, the dominion is we've got all the resources. I don't give thousands of dollars into this church so I can have a good salary. Some of you ain't close enough to me to understand that I have many streams of income. You're foolish if you think I just drained this church. When this church started, I took such a low salary, I got rebuked by Apostle Damon. Let me give everybody front page news. I took welfare while I pastored this church because I made sure that this place survived before I did. And then an apostle comes in and says, that's absolutely wrong. And when we flipped the narrative and he set my salary, this place exploded with finances to the point that we could give $25,000. And you know when we gave $25,000 away? When it made no sense. We were building a building. We were building a building. We got all the resources to build this room here. And we got all the resources put back that we gave into them. That watch. Opportunities. Promises, dominion, covenant relationship. I never had one conversation with Damon about our funding through the adoption and through, watch, and through the building of this church. I didn't have one conversation about it. He would call and ask me. He goes, how's the finance? I was good. He never asked me how much. He didn't ask how much things were costing. He said, is everything going good? Because he goes, I'll write the check for the adoption. I'll write the check for the building. No, we're good, pops. We're good. God, good. God, you're believing. You're believing. You're believing. You're in an opportunity. You're in promises. You're walking in dominion. You're walking in relationship. That when we were done with the adoption and we were done with building this building, I sat in Buffalo Wild Wings in Streetsboro and our apostle handed us a check that everything we started the adoption and the building thing with, he put everything right back in by the Spirit. We didn't miss a dime. We didn't miss a dime. I never told him the numbers and he put exactly in what we started with. So I take my shoes off right now. I got time for you to talk about my church and my God. I don't have time for you. And if you're going to sit here and make me explain it to your mind, it ain't about your mind, it's about your heart. Because your mind can't understand what I just said. Your mind can't understand money flowing in the kingdom. Your mind can't understand a son being healed of arthritis. Your mind, but you know what you need to understand? Start with this, you're loved. You're loved. You know, why do I go to that church all the time? Because I'm like, why am I always in there praying? Because you're going to look 10 years from now and it's not going to look the same. Yeah. It don't look the same now. And I'm glad that the mayor and the city council is getting all the credit. Awesome. But we know. We know. We're in the prayer meetings. Tears rolling down our face. We know. 
We know when Curtis got the farm, opportunities, promises, dominion, covenant relationship. What you're walking in today is from what? Opportunities that became promises. Y'all tracking with me? Dominion. You have the power or the right or the governing and controlling to what is yours. Covenant. Covenant is an agreement, not a division. Covenant is an agreement between two or more people who watch, who are in full agreement. The next part was not just agreement, full agreement. Full, I don't have time for you to sit and argue about silly stuff. Oh, I don't have time for it. If you're going to try to tell me how I don't need to go to church and I don't need to go to prayer meetings and I don't need to give my money and I don't need to do this, and I, you don't understand the kingdom. And the last question I'm going to ask you is, have you given your heart to Jesus so that you at least make it to heaven? Because you're not going to see any bit of the kingdom benefit on the earth, but I at least want to see you in the pearly gates. Because that's where your Christianity lies, heaven or hell. Awesome. But mine is heaven on earth. Like the guy I talked to today. He's like, Jesus is coming here. He stood up in his church. The guy started preaching on the rapture in a Protestant church. And he starts explaining how Jesus is coming. And he's like, and we're going to be snatched up. And he said, this man, he said, I stood up and said, that's wrong. He said, you need to sit down. I see. He said, no, you're wrong. He said, why would I want to leave once Jesus shows up? He said it was silence. I said, brother, you my kind of man. I wouldn't have done it that way. But I agree with you. What good is heaven without Jesus? He looked at the pastor and said, Jesus is standing on my planet. The one who spread his arms. Nails in his hands. He's like, you can't give me scripture that we're going to leave and go to the clouds when he's setting up the tabernacle of David on the earth. He said, you can go to the clouds. He said, I'm getting the greatest welcome home party ready in Rootstown, Ohio that the world has ever seen. Bigger than Christmas, bigger than Easter, big, bigger than any holiday 4th of July. I'm ready to celebrate because it's now over and all victory is ours because the rider on the white horse didn't stop halfway and say, let's get out of here. He rides with triumphal entry like he came on the triumph over the cross, but this time he's staying and on the side written in his own blood is king of kings and lord of lords I'm here to rule and set up shop you know what that is an opportunity that becomes promise that becomes dominion why would I do want to do anything than live like Jesus Why does Jesus live inside of opportunity, promise, and dominion? Because he has a covenant relationship with his father. And your promise is not just yours. It's somebody else's. That's why you better be careful with the decisions that you make because they affect other people. And I run as far away from people who blame everybody else for everything that's going wrong in their life and take no responsibility for themselves. I get as far away from them and I say, thank you, bless you, love you. I'll pray for you. Pray for you for what? That you would realize that you're loved by God, that I make mistakes and you make mistakes. And when I realize that I make mistakes, I can love the real you. 
I can love the real you and all of your flaws because I'm flawed too. I've had too many conversations over the last two weeks of everybody who wanted to point a finger at me and point no finger at themselves. But my job isn't to disciple them. My job is to disciple you. And I need you to be committed and I need you to lead and I need you to start rearranging things. And I need you to cast your net again. I need you to cast your net again. Listen, Crestwood School System needs you to cast your net again. Streetsboro needs you to cast your net again. Southeast Barberton needs you to cast your net again. Aurora needs you to cast your net again. How much are you willing to give up so that the love of God can be seen. What are you willing to rearrange in your life that I'll say, I'll give it all, God. I'll give it all so that you get glory because I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. I am the first and not the last. I am above and not beneath. He loves me and has great expectation for me, so I should have great expectation for myself. And I need to understand, who is my Joshua and Caleb? Who understands Numbers 13? That the obedience was to go spy out the land. Verse 25, I believe. Is that what I said? And they returned from spying out the land. They returned from spying out the promise. They took an opportunity and they went and looked over what was theirs. I did that in 2007 on where we're standing. I heard the obedience of the Lord to come into this plaza and pray that it would be used for mass revival, not knowing that God would send me to Cincinnati, not knowing that God would send me to Alabama to return, send me back to where I prayed to say, I'm going to give you this city. When I was a youth pastor in this city, we would come over here and pray and blow a shofar all over. Mike Nietzsche, Adam, Joey, we would blow shofars all over this land, pour oil all over it, never knowing that he wanted to give it to us. It wasn't until covenant relationship that I had a spiritual father in my life that drove into this city, parked in this parking lot when nothing was here but chuggers and the gaming place and the nail place. And he goes, this was perfect. Then he goes out of body, praying in the Holy Ghost for about 15 minutes. Mama Tammy's in the car. Tina's in the car. He comes back and he said, I've seen the future. You're going to own all of this. And watch, fear and unbelief. I, I don't believe in myself. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in myself. I don't believe and I'm going to believe in myself. He said, you'll start in one of these smaller buildings, Jimmy. He said, and then the church will grow and you'll be in the center. I've tried to figure out every strategy way to not call the middle part a church. And he rebuked me on a telephone call and said, stop saying the middle part won't be a church. But do you know how that middle part is going to capture a region, Curtis? When you guys start leading. When you guys get committed to this vision, this promise, as much as I am. Why do I got to get committed? Because it, it, it's not about me. It's about your kids. I'm 44 years old. I've only got 66 years left, guaranteed. This thing's going to be around here longer than 60 years. And I need your grandchildren. My dad and Papa Jimmy prayed, seek God 
bought a piece of property so we could buy the whole city. So then we could start buying Manaway and we could start buying Garrettsville and we could actually go buy Aurora and we could actually go buy Hudson. We can actually watch. They'll start even believing and we can buy Cleveland and we can buy Akron. You think it's not going to happen? Go back and watch Saturday night service when I'm sitting right in front of Apostle D and he gets all fired up about your honor. Quit dealing with fear and unbelief. And he said, Northgate, you're going to own that building. You're going to own it quickly. Quickly. I'm telling you, I went into tears and went into a vision and I saw a $5 million check and I saw a man's name that was on it. I told him, I went into a vision in the altar and I laid my hands on his chest and I said, I saw the ribbon cutting ceremony. You felt it when I said it too, didn't you? Because somebody's dream has to be somebody else's dream. Somebody's promise has to be somebody else's promise. And when they had the opportunity to go spy out the land for 40 days, they came back. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron. They came back to their authority. They came back to all of the congregation and the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all of the people and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told them and said, we went to the land where you sent us. You got to ask yourself in this room, have you been sent here? I don't live in Ohio. I was sent here. I was born here. I was sent here. I was sent here by Yahweh. You weren't born here, but you were sent here. And what fruit have you already seen that is just the beginning of what's really going to happen? What fruit have you already begun to see of the fulfillment that we have not yet seen that is about to happen? And you will dodge, listen to me, you'll dodge the fruit of the promise when you start listening to the crowd that says we can't obtain it. We can't obtain it. They can't obtain it. There were 10 spies that could not obtain. There were 12 sent out. There were 10. There were 10 of them. Can't do it. Can't do it. Two, two, the two by two. The original two disciples that understood opportunity, promise, dominion, and understood relationship with one another and who their God was. And they said, we can have it. We can have it. We can have it. What crowd do you listen to? Do you listen to the prayer meeting crowd here? Do you listen to the charge of Alabama? Do you listen to the charge of this kingdom family that all things are possible through Christ Jesus who strengthens you? Or do you let naysayers whisper in your ear that heaven is the great reward? Sorry to spoil all their fun. There is a throne room, but you're already standing in heaven because the earth is his footstool. And when he's done with all of this, he's going to set up the tabernacle of David and he's going to reform this earth. And this earth will look like the throne room. Not one thing will die decay the way it was originally intended in a garden called Eden before he made Eve look at herself. With what? Fear that I'll never be like God and unbelief that I'll never be like God. And that was never the chance because the scripture said she was born and made in the image and likeness of God. Stop looking at what you can't do and start looking at what you've done. Stop looking at what you can't do or what you haven't been provided with yet and start looking at the fruit that says yes to the promise. And is this good tonight or what? Oh, 
They brought back word to them to all of the family, congregation, tribe, all of the family. Show them the fruit of the land. Here's what's funny. If there's giants in the land in fortified cities, think about this. If there's giants in the land, you had enough cajones to go take their grapes and their honey to bring back proof. But you can't set up. You had enough manhood in you to go take some of the fruit, but then say you can't live there? Because you know what their problem was? They saw a giant army. So you know what their real issue was? I don't know if I can fight together with these other tribes and win. They didn't believe in their brothers. The reason we're not walking in favor right now is because we don't believe in one another in this room. You're still hanging out with people that question everything that we freaking do. What's funny is 10 guys, 10 said no. You know why? Because they didn't want to be in covenant. I'm not fighting with you, Adam. I'm not going to war with you. I'm not, I'm not sparing my life for you, Warren. But God said, if I can just find two by two. Caleb and Joshua said, I got your back. Matter of fact, here in a second, I'm going to read that they said this. They said, I'll go into that territory like scrappy do. I'll go in there. This is literally what Joshua said. I'll go in there. Caleb said, Caleb said, I'll go in there and cut their heads off and eat those giants for bread. Do you know why they could say that? Because Caleb and Joshua, when the leaders were in prayer meetings, guess where Caleb and Joshua were? Guess where they were at? Not at the tents at home. They were at the prayer meetings. So when push came to shove and we had to go do something, they believed that God could do it because they spent ample time with Yahweh. They were not worried about their own home affairs first. They were worried about the affairs of the kingdom. They called it the tent of meeting. Joshua, go home, go home. No, Moses, as long as you and Aaron are here, that's where me and Caleb are going to stay, right here in the presence of God. And even when you get fearful, Moses, and got to tell the people, don't worry, I know what's happening in this tent. I'm going to stay right here with God. I'm going to throw something. I'm gonna, this is in your Bible. Don't get mad at me. This is even your King James Version. Authorized. Shut up. Cool. 1611. I'll show you in the front. It's authorized. Authorized. The mere Bible and the Passion Translation is of the devil. It's of the new apostolic reform. Let me tell you something. You that are preaching against the new apostolic reform, you need the new apostolic reform. Because you ain't moving darkness and you ain't healing the sick. So I'd connect myself with somebody who's reading out of the passion, somebody who's reading out of the mirror, somebody who's diving in the study of the word of God that's not trapped in the King James Bible. That there's two translations anyway. I'm, I'm going on a tangent just because I got knuckleheads in this region that are knuckleheads. Pray for them, love them, Jesus. Praise God, hallelujah. Verse 27, Mikey. Then they told him, they said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Here's where Dale Chambers stepped in. Nevertheless. (laughs) 
The people, I thought that today, I was in here studying. I'm like, Dale translated the Bible right here, my God. <laughs> I love it. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. Stronger than what? What are they stronger than? Your unity. Because come on, man. I'm five foot eight. I could, man, when I was in my 20s, I could go handpick dudes bigger than me and say, let's get on the bench. I was stronger than them. Stop judging things off of what they look like. Your strength is never in your size anyway. Your strength is always in your unity. I, I, I give you a prime example. We did a little laser tag op with the army. They had a brigade, which is very big. We took some marine recon. We took one platoon of re-recon, and we took one platoon of our machine gun squad and mortars, and we did a mock army of guerrilla warfare that had legit laser tag on. We smoked the army with small elite numbers. You know how we did it? We were more committed than they were. When they would lay down, I remember, dude, it was one of the most funnest things I ever did in the military. They went to bed about four in the morning. We watched their observers, their night posts fall asleep, and we went by and did silent kills on them. <laughs> You're dead. And they had, they had like officials. It was like awesome. It was a little mock war. So we killed all their night post observers, and then I had my side hip 240 Golf, which is a very large machine gun. And my buddy had like a belt feed of like 2,000 rounds. And they have all their laser tag stuff in a big circle. I walked in the circle of everybody sleeping. Could you imagine this four in the morning in the jungle? And I just went. And it was like. Killed them all. Killed them all. You know how we, you know how we won that victory? Commitment. When they wanted to get comfortable and sleep, we were committed to the task of what we were sent to do. We went to the land where you sent us. It's truly, it's amazing. It's awesome. Streetsboro is so cool. It has all this amazing fruit, amazing land. But nevertheless, the people that are on the council, the people that don't want us there, we can't do it. The cities are fortified. They're large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak, there and the Amalekites dwell in the land, the south of the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, all the ites are there. <laughs> then Caleb, like the boy in Rootstown, this isn't right. Caleb tells the people to quiet down. And he tells Moses, let us go now and take possession. Do you know who Caleb is? He's the knucklehead that gets on the group chat of the men's thing. Let's go pray now. Let's go to the courthouse in Ravenna now. Let's go to Kent State now. And we're all like, settle down, Caleb. We got to cut the grass. We got to make dinner. We got laundry. I got to have me time. Caleb's like, you can have me time in secondary Rome, or you can have me time in the land that flows with milk and honey. You can have your time now, or you can prepare land for your great-grandchildren. Sounds a lot like striving. No, I don't think Caleb was striving. I think Caleb knew what he wanted. I think Caleb knew what he wanted. 
I think Caleb knew what he wanted. I think Caleb knew what he wanted. I think Caleb knew what he wanted. Caleb and Joshua would sit outside of the tent of meeting and they understood God a little bit different than everybody else. They understood him a little bit different than everybody else. So I'm being honest with every man in this room. We can either create a culture here in the north and realize we're the treasure in his hand or we take taking our kids to Alabama and then when they turn 18, they all just start taking off. Because they're tasting something in Alabama that they're going, and here's the crazy part, they're tasting it here too. I can't say they're not tasting it here. But I'm telling you right now, what I'm not going to do is have these kids come up in this house and go after God and then us, them go, where are you all at? What is it? I'm going to say this as simply as I can. It's not obligation. But if you're sitting on your house complaining about everything under the sun, I would probably go get in the tent of meeting with the little Moseses that want to save the world, that are done with suicide, done with pornography, done with drugs and alcohol. Done, they're done with a way of living. They're done with the abuse. They're done with the abortions. They're done, you know what they're really done with? Divorce. They're done with it. They're done with transgenderism. They're done with the LGBT being shoved down their throat. And they understand what the love of God has happened in their lives and they want others to feel that. And so they want to create a lighthouse that permeates the love of God that it shines out of here so bright. And I'm asking you as dads in here, when these teenagers are in here, you that have little ones that aren't teenagers yet, they're going to be your leaders. So we have to be their leaders now. There's a time where we've got to be the leader. And I'll just tell you right now, when I'm 66 and 70 and 98, I'll be in here with them. If Trenton's in here with his teenagers, I'll be in here with my grandchildren. I'll be in here with my great-grandchildren. And I know some of you are like, yeah, but just stick around. I have my whole ministry. Fire's too hot. Fire's too hot. You're too hype. You're too much. 20 years later has not chilled out. Actually, it's getting worse. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. It's getting, I now drive 16 hours to go to church. It's gotten worse. The fire's gotten hotter. I have drove to Alabama. For everybody who complains about the drive, I have went down and back 16 times. Eight times I have been to Alabama. So double that up, down and back. That's 16 trips I have made. 16 trips to do what? Get inflamed with the fire. Because I don't want to drive eight times a year. I want to steward it here that it gets so fiery that the apostle goes, I got to come get in the north. The south always gets, oh, you're going to get me started. The south has always gotten revival. When is it our turn? The south has always had revival. Every revival I read is Kentucky below. It's Kentucky below. I'm ready for ours now. I'm ready for ours now. I celebrate yours. I've sowed into yours. I've drove to yours. I'm ready for mine. And it'll happen when you realize who you are in this room. I'm telling you, I don't know what Bryn's coming to say, but Bryn's going to say this. Get off your butts and let's go. Every time he comes here, you guys are more valuable than you realize. You guys are more valuable than you realize.
Caleb quieted the people down before Moses said, let's go. Let's go at once. Let's take possession for we are all able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said this, the 10, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. You didn't fight anybody yet. How do you know? How do you know? Do you know the only fights they've had up to this point? Oh my gosh, I'm going to throw something. I got this in my notes here. The only way they know their own strength was how they fight each other. And because you can't win in your little arguments of the tribes, you obviously just think the giants of the land of your own promise will beat you. The only battle stripes they know right now is against each other. They've not left the wilderness. They've not fought anybody yet. They've not taken Jericho, but man, once they, once they take a step to say, all right, we agree with Joshua, we're getting out of this. We're getting out of this. I'm done. I'm done going around this circle. I'm done fighting with the people I'm supposed to love. I'm done with this. Who leads them out of there? Not those 10. Those 10 don't go. Those 10 don't get to be a part of it. They die in the wilderness. These are the only two. The attitude of the people you're around will dictate your promise and your opportunities. Your Bible, not mine. Don't get mad at me. Don't get mad at me. King James Version. Watch. But the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against the people for their stronger we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land. Now they lied. They started manipulating, making stuff up that the land's not good. Isn't it crazy? People who are double-minded or unstable in all their ways. You just said it was good. Now you said it's bad. Because they weren't willing to do something in unity. They just backed off and gave up. And then started talking about how bad Streetsboro and Portage County is and God should have never sent us here and we might as well just die in the wilderness. Your attitude is everything. And your attitude starts with beloved. You'll see this in a second. Watch. <sighs> They gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had uh, spied out, saying, The land though which we have gone to spy is the land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw are in it are men of great stature. Therefore, we saw the giants, the descendants of the Anak, Anak came from these giants. And we were like grasshoppers in their own sight. So we were like grasshoppers in their own sight. Verse four, watch chapter 14. So then all of the family lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept that night and all the children of Israel complained against the nation, against the family and said to them, if we had only died in the land of Egypt, now they won't completely go back to where they started. Forget the manna from heaven. Forget the water from a rock. Forget that God's blessed you. Listen, what is it? Honor amnesia. God's trying to take you to the next step and it's going to cost you a little more effort and you say, nope, 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 nope. Red Sea, that was good. Water, good from a rock. Manna from heaven, good. But this one, he, there's no way. Do you know all of this stems from how they love God and themselves and how they love each other? That's what all of this stems from. And we were taught in the church, man, if you would just push through and just step over in Canaan and that wasn't it. Joshua knew how much he was loved by God. 
Caleb knew how much he was loved by God. Moses knew, but he could not teach the people. Do you know what he should have taught the people? What Joshua was doing. Instead, he tried to convince them. So guess what I've stopped doing? Calling you guys, chasing you guys. So you know what I do now? Do you know how we're going to get to this place of promise? Prayer meeting. Prayer meeting. Prayer meeting. Prayer meeting. What's prayer meeting? Ten of meeting. Encounter. Encounter. That's why Hebrews 10 is don't neglect gathering together. It's vital. Proximity fixes everything when nothing else will. Proximity fixes everything when nothing else will. Do not neglect. Figure out new ways to encourage and honor each other. Guess what we're doing? Becoming two by two. How much resources have you spent into people that you should be dusting your, your feet off with? How are we going to save people? Well, I'm proving to you right now, you're not going to save anybody by being divided with the people that you're supposed to be serving God with. Welcome to the great divide of the American church. Denomination number one, denomination number two, denomination number three, denomination number four. Church split one, church split two, church split three, church split four. I should be able to look across this room at every individual and say, I love you. You ain't perfect, but I love you. You need me, I'm there. Do you need me? Do you need me? I'm not asking you, do you want to hang out? to deal with some insecurity you have going on here. That's not, that don't work. That don't work. I told you, you can sit by my fire pit and be like, I don't know if I really like that guy. I'm a different bird. Matter of fact, when me and Cookie were on the trip, I think I did it to him about three times. One conversation was going this way and we went, and then we were going this way and then I, I live the same way I preach, which could be annoying to some of you, okay? So watch. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried. The people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. They're missing opportunity. They're missing promise. They're missing dominion. If we'd only died in our past where you were slaves. I've heard people look at me and say, man, I guess I should have never just quit doing drugs. No, I've heard people say that. I should have just kept partying. Because you can't walk through the next test? Because God provided for you over here and he's not going to over here? So just damn it all to hell? Just We're looking at them like they're crazy. We do it every day. And we have to stop. Even in my own house right now, I have been on a month goofy thing with my car. And I, I just look at Tina, I'm like, whatever, God will work it out. We don't have a rental car, okay? So here's what happens. She's been on the phone all morning. We got no rental car. I pay insurance for a rental car, okay? Every day is a what? That leads to, that leads to, that happens through. I told Tina, We've got a problem. Complaining about it. We don't have a rental car. See, you thought I was just talking about your entrepreneurial dreams. Every day you got things you got to go get. I needed a rental car yesterday. So guess what I went and got yesterday? A rental car. I put my wife in the car. 
I said, we're going to go do this because authority does what? Settles issues. They don't beat people over head with a hammer. I'm the authority of my house. My wife tried to get something done while I was off doing something else. She couldn't get it done. She's frantic. I have to be the peacemaker. I can't step into her anxiety. We always want everybody to step into our anxiety rather than pull us out of there because that's uncomfortable and accomplish something. So I put her in the car. We go to Streetsboro. We go to Kent. We go back to Streetsboro and we go back to Kent. But guess what I left with? Not just a rental car. A brand new 2023 Ford Expedition. But do you think God was about the rental car? Nope. I go and have a meeting with the agent at State Farm. I begin to talk to her about the love of God because we're being so patient with her. And I would not have been patient years ago, but I'm allowing God to change some things in me. And as I'm telling her, she looks at me and she goes, I know who you are. I said, how do you know me? I don't know you. You know what she said? I was in that gym in that revival. She said, and I now go to church in Ravenna. She said, but I encountered God in that gym. You know what I got to tell her about? I'm no longer the man in the gym. And I get to start telling her about the love of God. And as I'm telling her about the love of God, it starts something in her that she's like, we're not leaving here until you get a rental. And I'm going to make sure you get the best rental. Y'all tracking with me tonight? You tracking with me? They're afraid, correct? I'm, I, y'all get the just of Caleb and Joshua. But here's why they were afraid. Put First John up for me. Put First John 4.4 4 up for me. Little children... You can be certain that you belong to the God. Whoa, my, I'm the right one. Go to verse 9. I mean, that's a good scripture text. The light of God's love shined through us when he sent us his matchless son. They could not understand the love of God because all they had a picture of was a judgmental father rather than the salvation of Jesus Christ. All of us here don't know the judgment of an Old Testament God. Your picture should be through the God of Jesus Christ who died for you. Which that when your promise is dangled in front of you and then taken away, how many years did they spend in a place that actually belonged to them? 40 years. That journey was actually only... 10 days. A 10-day journey turned into 40 years because they kept walking around a circle not believing that God could give them what was rightfully theirs. What do you keep looping because of fear? When God's light of love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him. Go to verse 10. This is love. He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sin. What is our sin? It's our walk. It's our walk. He sent Jesus to restore the walk. 
Sin is anything that gets you off the path. Hebraically, the definition of sin is not smoking and cussing that we were all taught and gossiping. No, all that stuff will get you off of a path. What does smoking lead to? Cancer that makes you think God don't love you and he can't heal you. Not trying to beat up the smokers, okay? But gossip leads you what? To manipulation, to a lie about other people, how they feel about you so you don't love yourself. So then you feel like you have no value and you really didn't do anything wrong because they did something wrong and you actually both did something wrong and it got all twisted because everybody keeps talking about it. And guess what gossip leads to? You don't feel loved. Guess what it all leads to? You don't feel loved. So what is sin? Anything that distracts you off the path of love. So God gave his son as a sacrificial offering for our sins to return us on the path. That's why Jesus is the straight way of the gate that leads to everlasting life. Go to verse 11. Delightfully loved ones. If he loved us with such tremendous love, then loving one another should be our way of life. Why did the children of Israel not think that they could obtain the land? Because they didn't love each other with a commitment. Can't go fight with Armin. You can't tell me out of the 12 guys they sent, all of those 12 had to be bad dudes. They didn't send 12 sissies. Come on, have you ever seen the guy that goes out and explores nature? You ever seen that guy? You know what I'm talking about? He's got a little accent. Black hair, what's his name? Yes. I believe the 12 spies were like that dude. They were jumping across rocks, dodging snakes and scorpions, and they weren't sissies. But they didn't believe that they could take a land because there was more than them. Listen to what I'm saying. Your dreams are just separated from who you're connected to and how you think God views you. I don't know how many times I've sat in this building over the last probably at least since we came to Streetsboro in 2016. And I hear people say all the time, you're going to own this property, you're going to own this property. And I sit in fear and unbelief going, how can I own this? And then I finally get it. He loves me. He loves you. He loves our kids. And here's the next part. You ready for this? Do you know what the biggest thing I've been having to deal, I have to deal with? God, do you really trust me with something that could probably end up being worth 10 to $20 million? This is what I think in my prayer time. Can you really trust the guy who stole in the past, who cheated in the past, who lied in the past, who made mistakes in the past? Why would you want to give this to me? Why would you want to trust in me that I can make a bakery for Christy Lynn and really blow something up for Twisted Scissors and make a place for Jeremy's Donut Shop and make a place for the real estate and the adoption and the insurance companies? You really want to trust me to have offices for all these kingdom sons? You and I, I barely graduated high school. Do you see how you think about yourself? And then I get in front of an apostle in the spirit of God and he keeps telling me, it's yours, it's yours. I'm up here praying. He calls me, it's yours. You know what I have to deal with? God chose us. Because I'm not gonna, watch how, the, watch how the enemy has been dealing with this with me. 
he makes Jimmy look at Jimmy. And then I'm in Alabama weeping when I hear it again. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord say this time, but you got Mike Thompson and you've got Ed Heaver and you got Jeremy Kales and Josh Kales and Zach and John and Jimmy and Warren and Dale. We're not going to do this by ourselves. And most of you are just like those 10 when you think about something great that God puts in your spirit and you're going, how can I do this? You don't think you're loved enough. You don't think you're loved enough. How can Jason McDowell own? Why would a man give Jason McDowell a prophetic word about Woodside? Why not Jason McDowell? Why not Ever McDowell? Why not Everett's son? Why not Everett's son's son? Why can't Jason McDowell, 90 years old, walk across the campground one more time and say, it's all for your glory? It's not an accident when we were praying God break the orphan spirit off of the 40-mile radius. God called all the way from the 40 miles to Canton to call us. Canton's going, we hear you. We hear you. We're going to send you Sam. But if I'm going to send you Sam, I need you to buy Market Square for Sam's sake. What makes this work, guys, is loving one another should be our way of life. Go to verse 12. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor. But if we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us and we make our permanent home in him. And this love is brought to its full expression. Watch. Full expression. What is full expression? What is fullness? God's promises over your life. What is the fullness of God that comes alive in you? A declaration, a word that something will be given to you. An express assurance with great expectation is yours. Dale, you're going to own a house in Arkansas and in Streetsboro. Why? Because when we start loving one another, he makes his home in us. And his love is brought to his fullest expression when we love each other. In here, this is where the church got goofy. You got to love them outside. What good is it to love them out there to bring them into division in here? Welcome to American Christianity. This is why we need the beloved identity message. Because when we start love, knowing we're loved... It's easy for me to love somebody dysfunctional. Can you love people's dysfunction? I'm not asking can you love their perfection because that don't exist either. But stop loving what you want to love and love like Jesus loves. Amen? Amen. Go to verse 13. And he has given us his spirit within us so that we can have the assurance that he lives in us and we live in him. Verse 14. Moreover, we have seen with our own eyes 
and can testify to the truth that Father God has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Those who give thanks that Jesus is the Son of God live in God and God lives in them. We have come into an intimate experience with God's love and we trust in the love that He has for us. God is love. That means we should be love, which means we should be patient and kind. Those who are living in love are living in God and God lives through them. There's a lot of this living in love. But guess what? Love keeps no records of wrong. Love is not rude. Love is not boastful. Caleb and Joshua had to deal with a lot of people that didn't love each other. They didn't trust each other and they didn't love each other. By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because all that Jesus is now, so are we in this world. Verse 18, love never brings fear for fear is always related to punishment. The children of Israel had an equal amount of unbelief of God giving them their promise even though they had their opportunity because they didn't think they had authority because fear always equals unbelief. What are you afraid of? And if you're afraid of something, you need to connect yourself to somebody that will get you over your fear. Because you can sit and pray to your blue in the face. God, deal with my fear. God, deal with my fear. He will. He'll give you Adam. He'll give you Dakota. He'll give you Joy Mitchell. He'll give you Ed Heaver. He'll give you Jason. The word of God is alive in every man in this room. And your brothers need you. And the world needs you two by two. The world, Jesus don't send you by yourself. He sent Joshua and Caleb into the promised land and he sent the 12 two by two. Two by two. Love never brings fear. Where does fear come from? Independent alonement. For fear is always related to punishment. We're gonna lose. We're not gonna win. This isn't gonna work out. But love's perfection drives the fear of punishment far away from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. This is my favorite part coming up in a second, verse 19. Our love for others is our grateful response to the love that God first demonstrated in us. Here comes my favorite part. Anyone can say, I love God. Anyone can say, I love God, yet have frustration. The translation should be frustration towards believers. The frustration of the 10 towards Caleb and Joshua cost them their promise. But you know what's amazing? God's love is so amazing it didn't cost Israel their promise. It cost the 10 their promise. Their grandchildren actually got to taste it. Can I read two things for you for you before we leave out of the mere study Bible, which is absolutely awesome, which religion hates. Get over yourself. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. First John chapter 4, 4. My darling children, you have nothing to fear. Do not doubt for a moment the legitimacy of your sonship. You originated in God and have already been conquered. By his love, though you have also conquered the worldly religious systems because of the unveiling of Christ in you. You've conquered worldly systems 
by God's love that's in you. His living presence is in you and is far superior than any antichrist spirit that is present in the world that says you don't need Jesus. I'm going to punch fear in the face one more time right here. Fear cannot coexist in the earth where the love realm is. I like what it says that. Fear cannot coexist in the earth where the love realm is. The perfect love union that we are talking about expels fear in any way. So if you have, look at me, if you have any measure of fear, it's because you're actually missing love. God is not the author of confusion and he definitely is not placing fear on anybody in this room. So anywhere that you have fear, finances, health, marriage, job, occupation, anywhere that you walk in fear, God's true, genuine, pure love is not present. And guess where you'll get filled up at? Proximity, fixes everything and nothing else will. People that remain in fear remain absent from the body of Christ because the scripture says that every joint supplies. And listen, you can have a church home. You can attend a church every time the doors are open and still not be connected. How are you connected? by how you love one another. Verse 21 says, for he has given us a command. Whoever loves God must also demonstrate love towards one another. So what's the importance of this tonight in a men's meeting? Guess what the biggest place we struggle in commitment is? Love. We struggle the most in realizing that God's committed to you. Listen to me. You have to stop struggling with God's commitment toward your success in life. God's thoughts toward you are not evil, but they're peaceful. They come with an expectation of hope and future. Anything that does not have that attached to it, you have to figure out how did that Ishmael get in there. You can't hear from God. You messed up. How do you get rid of Ishmael? Surrounding yourself by people that believe in you. Division will always be the number one manipulation. And you know what brings apart division more than anything? Jealousy and comparison. Why'd God bless them? Why'd God do this for him? Where does that come from? When Satan as a snake goes and talks to Eve, he was jealous of her because she could make a sound like him. And he could not realize how loved he was as an angel. He then compared himself to a woman that then manipulated her to compare herself to God. Who and what are you comparing yourself to that you should actually be connected to? Who are you comparing yourself to that you should be connected to that would actually pull you up and say, let's go get it? This, I'm glad I grabbed you. When I met this guy, we were just coaching football together. I just moved back here in 2012. 
He was in a bad relationship. Watch. He was in a bad relationship that stole his opportunities, stole his promises, and he didn't realize that this was his city. He was stuck in alcoholism. He was bound in anger. And John Arlesic, who was a good friend of his, who was our head football coach, pulled me aside one day and said, I know you're a preacher. I need you to help Joe. I invited Joe to that gym. I used to take Joe in a season and go sit by a river with him and Curtis every single Saturday morning and speak of the goodness of God. To now, at one point, what he thought was his future, which was a girl who broke his heart, left him angry, left him broken, somebody stabbed him in the back, rejected him, a relationship he should not have been in, left him in a place that he felt like he had no value. And it wasn't the redemption of a girlfriend that brought him value. It was when God put a brother, a father in his life. And we prayed together. We went after God together. The alcoholism went away. The hurts and the pains went away. His opportunity of Mel came. His promises of Titus is here. And now he can rule and reign with his son and his wife in his city. And so just because he hasn't got on the city council twice, guess what? He can push through this rejection because now he's surrounded with covenant that understands promises and opportunities. And he doesn't feel like a failure and he doesn't feel like he has no value. We know that Joe is going to rule and reign and have dominion in this city in the right season. And even if we got to wait 20 years, we're going to say yes for Titus's son's sake. And I'll tell you what used to change his heart when Apostle D used to do a 30 by 30. He used to call, I called every man to 30 by 30. And he used to talk about how the lever action rifle of a 30-30 rifle was so accurate that if your life fell off, then he would challenge men to do the 30 by 30 challenge. Take 30 minutes for 30 days and lock yourself into God so that you could get back on point and feel accurate again. Because 30-30s don't get off target. We so believed in the 30-30 challenge that when Apostle D came in 2016, a group of us men went together and we bought Apostle D a brand new 30-30 level lever action rifle. And on the side of that stock, we got proximity fixes everything. Because it wasn't just, Joe, you go do your 30 for 30. And he did it at times by himself. But there was a lot of times he did it at that creek. There's a lot of times he did it with different brothers. And that's how he's able to make it through the struggles of this world. And he knows he's loved by Abba. And he's loved by the people in this room and the people in this city. Go ahead and sit down. So I leave you guys with this tonight. It's time to go get what's rightfully ours. It's time to go get it. And how we go get our dreams is by being as proximal as we can to Jesus first and then one another second. And you know what that does? Freak the world out. Because church is supposed to just be your country club that you go hang out at on Sundays. Not here. I'm a sent one two by two that's supposed to demonstrate the kingdom rolling on earth as it is in heaven. And if I'm supposed to do that, so are you. 
This is not about Jimmy Lovejoy. This is about Jimmy Lovejoy and Dakota. This is about Jimmy Lovejoy and Jimmy Cookta and Adam Kales and Zach and Ed and Everett and Tobias and Trenton. Does this make sense? So hear the call of the wild. And what have we sometimes exalted above God that we're more confident in our truck starting than God answering our prayer? The kingdom keys work better than your car keys. And those kingdom keys work through one thing. Love God and love your brother. Love people. Love the people. And listen to me. Stop with the nonsense of it's just us having dinner together. You know what those turn into? Venting sessions. It's, it's time to start praying. It's time to get in. and I want phone calls and text messages. Oh, my God, man. I was up there with Adam Kales, man, and we ended up in like the third realm of heaven. Like it was nuts. I was with McDowell, and he's over there doing his Buddha thing in front of the treasure box. He looked at me, and I saw angel feathers fall. I was in here with Jeremy, and it was a cloud of gold dust. I was in there with Big Mike, and we had a vision we were in another nation. What am I speaking of? the real quantum realm of the spirit that you get so enamored in beloved intercession that you can go wherever you want to. Some things aren't an accident. You ready? You're all going to laugh when I start singing, but you're going to sing with me. Because God was trying to actually speak to you when you were little kids. I can do anything Take a book. It's reading rainbow. What was that all about? God was trying to speak to us. Take a look. It's in the book. Reading rainbow is the covenant of promise. You should get in this book and get adventurous. And then you should get in the spirit realm and say, see ya. And realize all God's promises are yes and amen. The reason we don't see them manifest in the earth because you don't believe you're worthy of them. And all of that comes from the one word that I've probably ruffled feathers in here. Commitment. Commitment. Find the most committed thing that you're committed to. And then put Jesus above that. And watch what happens. The thing you're committed to the most, you give the most money to, you give the most time to, you give the most resources to. Watch what happens when you make that the kingdom instead of your hobbies. I didn't tell anybody to get rid of it. I just said reverse the role. Reverse it. And then take relationships. Are your kingdom relationships the most committed, important relationships in your world? If they're not, switch it. Watch what happens. Watch what happens. Watch what happens.
your commitment to the kingdom realm might actually bring those one in. Why aren't you talking to me anymore? Why don't we hang out as much? You're always at that church. Well, dude, you should come. Find out why I'm up there. These 10 would have made it if they would have just went where they were. Complainers don't change history. After the wilderness, they're never heard from again. He has a book written about him. I don't have time for your negativity. I've got to go get Jericho. I've got to take a generation across the river. But you know how you're going to do that? You're going to have to lay down your nets. Some of your nets may be reputation. Don't listen to Caleb and Joshua. Yeah, I'll let that net go. I don't care what you think about me. I'm eating grapes. I'm eating grapes. I'm sick of manna from heaven. I can't believe he said that. Yeah, I'm tired of waiting on what falls. When I, oh, you guys are going to get me right here. I'm tired of waiting on what falls when I was made for dominion. I'm tired of sitting in a posture of begging God when God's put opportunity and promise right in front of me and I can go eat on a grape the size of a basketball and I can break off honeycombs and just eat sugar till I want to get sick. Because listen to me, it's proof the manna from heaven never had enough nutrition to mature them. It only had enough to sustain them. And the church has been in sustaining for probably the last probably 50, 60 years. I'm ready for grapes and honey that will make me grow. You guys ready? Go get it. Quit complaining about it. Go get it. Quit complaining about it. Go get your dreams. Go get your promises. Quit complaining about it and go get it. The age of peace and rest is not laziness. It means when you need a rental car, you go get a rental car. You don't complain about it. You don't cuss out people on telephones. You don't act like a wild man. You go show the love of God and you go get it and God might be setting you up for something. Maybe a whole Christian company really needs to see what the love and patience look like. Maybe somebody's actually allowed to do you wrong because your shoulders are big enough that somebody will come back and say, we did him wrong and we're going to give him more than $80,000 a year. We're going to give him six figures. But you got to ask, did you hear the word of the Lord or not? That sucks. But what's God doing? Did you hear the word of the Lord to go? Yes, then everything's going to be fine. Then everything's going to be fine. He could have called some of you and you'd have told him to go back to his old job and he might miss out on six figures. Because Mike Clendenin's asked me to leave his work seven times. Every time I told him to stay, he's now making almost six figures. Don't, I'm, don't make this about me. They came to me. We prayed about it. Boom. But what you can't be is fearful and have unbelief. If you knew how much money I made a year and how much I give away and what <laughs> and what I got in the bank and what you'd be like, 
how. It ain't for me to figure out. It's for me to say yes and amen. And one thing I don't wrestle with is the fear of giving. Ever. 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 And I don't wrestle with the fear of my marriage. And I don't wrestle with fear of relationships. You know why? Because I don't. Can, I dust my feet off of people who would try to put fear and unbelief on me. Uh, man, I don't know about you Northgaters. How you guys freaking live life. Don't live life with me. Don't live with me. God bless you. If you don't want to be here when we cut the ribbon on this place, that's on you. If you don't want to be here when Jeremy opens a donut shop and Christy Lenz opens a bakery and Mike Nietzsche opens milk and honey, coffee company, when Jason and Deanna cut the ribbon on the gathering place, if you don't want to be there, you don't have to be there. I'm going to be there. As long as you stay with me, let me be there. I'll be there. And we'll cut the ribbon in Ravenna. And the same way Streetsboro's been cleaned up, God's going to send a son to clean Ravenna up. I hope God plants a church in every township. (laughs) Man. It's eerie. It's eerie. It's eerie. God's dealing with you. It's eerie. How can you dream this wild? Are you that loved? Does God love you enough to give you Woodside, Jason McDowell? Because you look in your bank account, it don't make sense. Same way Josh and Caleb go, how do we go defeat these giants? It doesn't have to make sense. I know who my God is. Do you believe in your heart? You're, that's a word of the Lord. I'm on a campground. And at the end of the day, it may not be Woodside. It just We just all love Woodside, and God just wants to give you a campground. But why not believe it, Woodside? But if it's over on 82 between Aurora and Manaway, I'll take that one too. Because at the end of the day, Jason McDowell, I never would have woke up and thought God's going to give the Northgate this plaza. But he's going to. He's going to. For what? To show the world the kingdom. And every one of you will have a piece and a part in it. Mike Trular, your granddaughter Amaris is drawing blueprints every day for a dance studio. She said, Papa Jimmy, I'm going to own a dance studio, a dance school in, in our plaza. You know what I tell them, Maris? Yes, you are. You know why? Because she used to have a daddy that was committed to dancing before the Lord who was not athletic and did not look the part, and he would stand right over here in this building before he went to go dance with Jesus at the throne room, and he was committed to showing his little girl how to dance before God. What? Are you keeping dead in your kids because you aren't committed to the dance or you ain't committed? I'm going to throw some. I'm going to throw some. I'm going to throw some. And your commitment issues is not that you're not good enough. Your commitment issues is you don't think you're loved enough. Josh was committed enough to know that he was loved by Abba. Thank you for listening to this message from the Northgate. If you would like to donate to this ministry, please go to www.thenorthgateoh.com and click on the link at the bottom of the homepage.